Hello, everyone, and welcome to On Your Way to Work, the show that talks not to business owners and not to managers, but to you, our fellow workers on the workplace floor. I am your host, Christian Witted, here today with our co-host, Kaylise Green. How are you, Kaylise? I'm doing great, Christian. How are you? I am doing well. It is great to have you on the show today. I'm glad to be here. So over the past few weeks, since the beginning of the year, in fact, we've been talking about promotion. Uh, we talked about first, what is a promotion? And from there, we came to understand that a promotion is not really a destination, but a process. It is a culmination of a number of factors. Then we moved on to defining what a promotion is for us. Um, and from there, we learned about the four P's of promotion, uh, pay, personal satisfaction, personal security, and position. And so today we want to build off of that, but go in a slightly different direction. Kaylise, I know you have three questions for us. Absolutely. So we've had a really great time of getting to know where we stand, but now it's time to get on that career path, to get on the road. And so the three big questions that I wanted to focus on is just to present to all of you as saying, where are we going? What does it look like? And what do you need for the road? What do you need to get down this career path? And so one of the big things that I think we're going to do today is cast vision for you. Let's give an example of what it looks like to see this done well, to see someone who succeeded in their career, who knows what it's like to be on this career journey and who is really captured and understands the idea of outgrowing your space at work. Exactly. And so today, listeners, we're going to play for you an interview with Roy Reed, done by Rick Witted, our resident author. Hi, everybody. This is Rick Witted, and I am in studio with Roy Reed, very good friend of mine. Roy, how are you doing? I am doing outstanding, Rick. How about yourself? I'm doing well. So, guys, you're, you are in for a treat. I mean, a big treat. Roy is a leading authority of public relationships, marketing, and communication. He's currently the executive director for communications at Adventist Health Systems Florida. He's also an organizational and corporate coach, developing trust in cultures. And I love his program. And hopefully we're going to dive deep into outrageous trust. So, Roy, you know, you and I talked quite a bit. And before we really get going into outrageous trust, you know, the last conversation I remember having with you, you defined an entrepreneur well beyond what everyone would normally think that means, the traditional definition of starting my own business. But you've got a different spin on that for the workers on the workplace floor. Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. I look at entrepreneurship in a broader sense in that my general description of an entrepreneur is someone that finds a new way. And that can be in any capacity, you know, breaking down a ball and, and just getting where other people don't. But at a personal level, at a micro level, I believe we should all be entrepreneurs of our professional life. And that is, you need to control the things that you can control. And most people really don't understand what those things are. And they allow others to dictate all the terms. For instance, I, for the last two and a half years prior to taking on this new role, so here I am being a poster child for your uh, program. No kidding. Outgrew my workspace. Um, but as I, ta I spent the last two and a half years at the University of Central Florida, and I would coach my students 
to this idea, and I would tell them that since 1996, I've written my own job descriptions regardless of where I went to work. And in all but one of those situations, I was going to work for somebody else. You've got to realize at a certain point, you're the professional. You are the subject matter expert, and the value that you're bringing to that organization gives you a lot more leverage then you oftentimes give yourself. So I would encourage your listeners to sit down and give some analysis, even now, even if you're in the best job you've ever been in, even if you work for yourself, give some analysis to the value proposition that you bring every single day and begin to build your own intrinsic brand around that and then be the entrepreneur that opens that shop up the next time you're going to try and advance your career. So, Roy, I want to unpack that a little bit. I got to tell you, man, I love where you're at here because I see so many people often just kind of hopping around, trying to figure things out and uh, having this preoccupied desire to get out and do their own thing. And, And it sounds like what you're saying is, listen, you can dig in where you are sometimes and um create your next job opportunity it, it whether it's there or it's somewhere else if you take ownership of your career and realize your you are it's like me llc you are your own business and how you manage your brand personally the attitude you have how you affect those around you how you execute on your job all of those things will allow you to do what you've been able to do for the last decade and a half, create the job description for every job you've done. This is going to sound counterintuitive to the listener, but hang with me. So from 2000 to 2013, I ran the public relations division in a communications firm. So I was an owner, partner in a firm. I, I was an entrepreneur by, by all accounts. Uh, in 2013, I met the dean of the College of Business at the University of Central Florida, big public government agency, if you will. He asked me if I'd come work for him. My initial response, no way. I could never do that. And then he hired me as a consultant, and I really fell in love with what he was trying to do. And, and I was at a point, and this is important because when you get to this point, act on it. I was at a point where I knew I needed a pivot. I'd been doing great work for 13 years, but I knew I needed to grow in a different direction. And and taking a risk and doing something completely different was going to extend that for me. And so rather than say yes to the dean just to come work for him, I crafted a job description that I knew was going to give me an opportunity to do what I needed to do, to grow where I needed to grow to serve, in this case, where I wanted to serve. And, and I took a big risk in doing it. You know, I, the risk number one was walking away from a pretty lucrative, successful career where I was. Uh, risk number two was not allow, him not wanting to change what he was doing and, and running into that wall. And, and we all know when you get geared up for something and it doesn't happen, it, it, uh, it'll stymie you. But I wrote the job description. I put the scope of work together. I said, if you'll approve this, I'll come work for you. And I did. And wow. he did. Wow. You know, that story you just told me was outgrowing your space, right? So you you literally, uh, you were doing work, 
uh, and you, an extension of that was this consulting that led to this company. Clearly, you had to have outgrown your space, made a great example for someone to say, hey, I need this guy. I want this guy on my team. Uh, and then you get over there and you you quickly figure out, hey, this is what's inside of me. This is my strength. And right. this is what they need. I'm going to tell them what I think they need. Exactly. And so here here's where I got to today. Um, got in there. We set the objectives up on the job. And we got through the list of things far faster than either of us or any of us imagine. And as we... As, <laughs> As I started coming out from underneath this wonderful work of rebranding, new messaging, initiating new programs, launching some new things, getting student leadership programs out, things started to change and change dramatically, Rick. Mm -hmm. You know, I went from where we were creating, creating, creating to the point where the college started producing 87 events a year and my department now is becoming an event support group, which up against what my entrepreneurship says I need to be doing professionally was not a match. And so once again, I'm in a position where now I've got to turn my sights outward, take ownership of it, and then go help find a new gig. And so I just began this new venture, which is to build a communications team, work with a new public affairs division, it's in healthcare, which has been a passion of mine since the, the early 90s. But you know, here's another piece that I think your, your book alludes to and people need to realize is sometimes you outgrow your workspace faster than you planned. And you have, you have, a, you have three choices. You, know, you, can, you can endure it. And if you do that, you're going you're gonna to limit yourself and you're going to limit your opportunities. And you may be able to hold on to some contentment about that because you like where you are. And so that's one. The second thing is it's going to, you're going to feel that pain to, to leave and you need to go. And, and <laughs> the, at some point I started to feel um, just way out of place. And, and so I had to act on that. The third decision is you don't do it and you don't like it and you stay miserable. Yeah. So, you know, I encourage people to figure out and take ownership and make that decision. It's okay if you want to stay. That's fine. You're going to have to adjust what it is you're going to do to make that happen. But if you're going to leave, you need to build a plan and you need to to be extremely proactive in doing that and be very intentional about what you're going after. So you don't just jump into something for the sake of jumping. And and if you've gone through this exercise and, and really defined that is what's your business, what's your brand, what you do, it's just a far easier task. So I want I want to break that down a little bit, Roy, and we're way off uh, from where I told you we were going to go probably <laughs> initially, but this is what I love about the show. So let, let's help the listener really navigate that. Because I'm certain that someone's listening, will listen or dial in a couple of years from now and pull up this show. And they're going to be at a place where they need to figure out, do I go? Do I stay? Should I go? Should I stay? 
And what are some of the questions that you should be asking yourself? Because I, I think to your point that there's one side of it where the boat's gone here. You have no passion yep. here. You're not engaged. There's no opportunity like you've had to say, okay, hey, if I'm going to be here, here's what I can do to make things better. I, you write your own job description and they love it and there you go. But sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes it is, you know, this isn't the right place. Right. Walk me through, catalog the telltale signs within myself, within the culture that I should be looking for to make that kind of decision. Because the other side of your statement is people are in the right place and they jump too quickly. Yeah. So how, how do you know the difference? So first of all, one of the things that we have to come to grips with in our work life is these decisions do not have to come down to good and bad. So if there's not an integrity issue, an ethics issue, an emotionally bad situation there, don't don't make that. You don't have to be mad to leave. You don't have to be miserable to leave. You can just know that it's time to leave. And so uh, I confronted myself, Rick. I, I sat down and I, I asked myself at, I just turned 50 last year, at 27 years in the business or so, what are the essentials that I need in a role? And, and I'm not talking about job description because yep. at my highest and best use, I know what I'm good at. I know what I do well. Uh, I know what my subject matter expertise is. But what are the essentials that when I pull into work every day and I go home every night, I know are there? And, and these are the ones that were important to me. And I say to me, because everybody out there is going to have a little bit of different interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. I came down to four things. One is mission alignment. I wanted to know at a macro level every day that I walk into a place that our missions are dead on. from Everything from integrity to vision to execution, we're moving in the same direction. Mm -hmm. At a micro level, to me, that means that the people are on the same page. I'm not looking over my shoulder. There's not a culture mismatch. There's not rewards for uh, behaviors that are bad. And so if I'm going to move to an organization now, I'm going to find that first and foremost. Second, kind of related to job description, but not specifically, my years of experience need to be used at their highest and best. For me, at this place in my career, what does that look like? That means strategic planning, executive counsel, team leadership, leadership development, culture development, those kind of high-minded, big rock pieces that I can then turn into smaller rocks for a younger team and a group to come in and do the actual tactical implementation. Third, ministry community service, whatever you want to call it. I need to be in a role that has some definition and, and lots of support for giving back to the communities that I serve. And when I say that can be geographic in nature, conceptual in nature, but uh, at a personal level for me, that's like mentoring at the Junior Achievement Academy at Oak Ridge High School, yep. providing counsel to a mission team in China I work with, uh, or, or providing uh, counsel and service to the nonprofits that I've, I've come to know in this town. Fourth point is being a great provider for my family. Mm. Uh, you know, that's the role my wife and I have 
come to define in terms of our relationship as it relates to work, uh, and therefore I need to be in that place. So I needed to have that template to define what my next move was going to be. And if and if it if some opportunity came and it didn't fit those four things, wasn't the right one for me. I got goosebumps going on here. And listeners, you got to take note of a veteran here who has been in the workplace for nearly three decades who over (laughs) over (laughs) half of that has been in a position to be able to say here's the job description that um, I want to do and has been able to make that happen it literally has been a workplace entrepreneur as well as a true entrepreneur of his own business but has treated the workplace in such a way as an entrepreneur would and I talk about this in the book some that workplaces, managers, corporate leaders, business owners, they they want intrapreneurs. They want mm. people who think outside of the box without breaking the box uh, <laughs> internally. And what you just heard was a clear descript of that. And I mean, these four points, uh, Roy, I think are spot on mission alignment. And, you know, are, are we on the same page? Is there strategic planning and culture and what's the leadership opportunities uh, within that culture, ministry and, and serving and then being able to provide for the family. I don't know if you've taken the career with assessment yet, but I would take a guess at it, Roy, that your core value, your your P for promotion is personal satisfaction. And it's this idea of meaning in the work I do. So when you take the test, you'll have to tell me if, if I was right in my guess. <laughs> but but listeners, what you hear here from a veteran is someone who had gotten to the place that says, you know what, I, I'm going to manage my career based on my core value. And if this job uh, or if, you know, the, the decision I am considering doesn't align with my value, I'm not going to go that way. So what you didn't hear was Roy say, well, I got to have a bigger job. The paycheck's got to be bigger. You know, what he said was, if I can feed these core values in me, whoever I'm working with or for are going to get the best me they've ever gotten. And guys, I, I say this all the time. If you feed your P, if you feed your core value, you're going to be the best you you can be. And people will pay good money. And Roy's a great example of that. People are saying, just tell me what the job description is, Roy. You Just tell me what it is. And because he's aligned himself with his values, his core values, he is able to really execute tremendously in the workplace. So, Roy, I want you to step back a little bit. You kind of shared with me where you are in your current season. But there was a time you weren't 27, 30 years. You know, looking back now, how would you tell somebody at that place to navigate the career? Let's just assume that they're like you and statistically at least a third of the population personal satisfaction is their primary definition for career progression or promotion. Give them some advice, give them some guidance. So in the introduction, we referenced my, um, my program outrageous trust and that program grew out of so many early elements in my career, but there's a, there's an idea embedded in that and it's the it really is kind of the first and most important thing that 
I teach people, and that is that we've got to take responsibilities for the relationships that we have in our circle. I went to my first internship right out of college. I was at AT AT&T with my mentor, Randy Barrage. He sits me down and he says, there's only two things you're going to need to learn in this six months we're going to have together. And he hands me a notebook and says, put everything you're working on in here. Make sure that there's updates on what's going on. Leave the notebook here. If you're not here, I know what you're up to. So your organizational skills are going to get sharpened. And secondly, understand that the most valuable thing that you have in your life is the network of relationships that you cultivate and take care of. And if you don't take care of it, you will miss out on the opportunities that should be coming to you on a regular basis. And Rick, that is magic for the career path. That is the best advice, the only advice. Um, Because I remember going in a couple of years later and I met with uh, former mayor of Orlando, Bill Frederick, and you know, you're sitting there in awe of a guy that had put his fingerprints on some significant growth. And, and, and I asked him, what's the secret? And he said, Roy, it all comes down to performance. And so the two link together yeah. in that if you own the relationships, you will find the value that you're bringing and you will work that value religiously and with, without rest to make sure that you you develop this brand that's unique to that relationship. And it's hard because it's really easy to commoditize yourself in the workplace. And I want everyone to think of their interactions as unique specialty opportunities. You know, I, I, I man, I, I tell you what, I can't believe we're getting close to the hour here. So I got to hurry up and shut up to get, we'll get do, a few hey, more things in. You know what? <laughs> you, you call me again and we'll do a whole show on trust. We'll do a whole show on communication. We're going to have to get you back on and deal with outrageous trust a little bit more. But let's touch it a little bit because yeah. I think you're right. When you talk about relationships. Personally, in you know, two and almost two and a half decades in my career, I have built my career on exactly what you said, a network of relationships. Mm. So I want to throw two stats at you. Yeah. And I'm sure you come across this in some of your corp- corporate and organizational coaching around outrageous trust. Here's this stat. It blows my mind. Less than 8% of workers ask their bosses to mentor them or to have relationships with them. (laughs) Give you another one, Gallup. Gallup says uh, worldwide and 13% of the workforce is emotionally or personally engaged in the goals and the objectives of the workplace. So now, Roy, you're talking about outrageous trust Mm -hmm. to a culture that would rather text across the table than talk with you. You're you're talking about outrageous trust to a culture that really prides and holds a lot of value in self and mm. me, and we all, very few of us know more than two of our neighbor's name if we didn't mm. grow up in the same neighborhood. That's right. So now take that, 
you know, which is a huge cultural influence, take mm-hmm. that into the workplace. And I'm hearing you talk about outrageous trust and trusting people in a network of, I don't even know where to begin, Roy. Yeah, we, like I said, that's, we can go for days. Uh, let, let, let me, let me, let me address the mentoring question. Yeah. I, I think that one of the principles of being trustworthy is really being a, a lifelong learner and somebody who develops insight. Uh, you get paid for insight. Okay. In, in, in life, everybody tune into this, you get paid for insight. And the easiest place to get insight is from people that have done it, people that have lived it, people that have already walked down that path and made the mistakes that you want to avoid. And so right out of the gates, I was blessed in college to have mentors and and they expressed themselves that way. And where most people don't get the benefit of that um, is, is they've not been taught and therefore they don't teach it. Um, so find, you know, one of the things to do an exercise that I would encourage people to do is find something to do that, that requires you to have a teacher, take a class, re- relearn that relationship. My path, I, I'm a martial artist. I study martial arts. I test later this year for a fifth degree black belt in Taekwondo. My but, God, when do you sleep? <laughs> do, do you sleep? No. Okay. So I didn't think remember so. that. Uh, <laughs> But, but one of the reasons that I've stayed engaged and, and, and as active as I do as an instructor is because to be a great instructor, I have to be a better student. I have to exercise the learning part of this because I'm going to go into class and whether I'm teaching or participating, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to perform something wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt myself. I'm going to fall short. But it's just this constant circle of learning that's going on around me. And and most of us don't have that in our lives. And and I'm not saying that everyone needs to study martial arts to get it, but find a place in your life where you need a teacher, where it is it would be impossible for you to perform without that. And that will re-engage this idea of mentoring, this idea of of studying under a master, studying next to an expert and finding your way. And then you can apply that in the workplace. And I have mentors for my spiritual life, for my personal life, for my uh, martial arts life. Wow. Uh, and, and, and they are there to hold me accountable. And then you have to exercise a willingness to let them be candid with you. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself uh, tripping over a lot of things needlessly. Man, I, I tell you what, I am I am truly picking up what you're putting down here, and um, I, I got to throw one last question at you uh, before we go here. Um, what is the mistake people make <laughs> most in relationships, and, mm. and both both in personal and professional? It sounds mm. like you're going to tell me it's not much different. Mm. You know, it's it's a lack of intention mm. and mindfulness. And, and I'll, I'll leave you with this story that I, I always kick my program off, Rick, with a very simple story. And uh, if you go on my website, either OutrageousTrust.com or RoyWReed.com, you'll notice in the graphics there's a, a picture of a, a little plastic bead bracelet on my wrist. And I wear this bracelet all the time, and my daughter made it for me. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, when your seven-year-old daughter comes running up to you and has something for you to wear and you ask wear you to it. wear it, you, amen, brother. You wear and when you, it. <laughs> and when you put that bad boy on, you become show and tell. That's right. And so I, I was show and tell for a weekend a few years ago when my seven-year-old made this bracelet. And, and it was great. And we had a good time. And, and Tuesday morning rolled around and Roy had to go to work and I had to put on my tie and my suit and everything else. And I left the bracelet on the dresser and got home that night and was working in the kitchen with my wife. Daughter still had the bracelet factory going on in the other room, which, by the way, is an OSHA violation <laughs> for those of you keeping score or ever pulled one out of your foot. Oh. And uh, comes into the kitchen with another bracelet. And my first thought was, I only have so much arm to give. And she she looked at me and said, Daddy, if you didn't like the other bracelet, would you wear this one? Oh, wow. Heartbroken. Oh, I mean, here, wow. Here I am, the expert in communications and relationships, just about to go on the road with this new program on Trust, mind you, and I've just blown it with my seven-year-old daughter. Wow. Because here's the thing. The only words that she heard when asking me if I'd wear the bracelet was yes. Was yes, yeah. And in her seven-year-old mind, when she saw it on the dresser, the only conclusion she could come to was, I didn't like the bracelet. Yeah. And so, Rick, I went in the bedroom, I put the bracelet on, I wear it every day, and I do it for two reasons. One, because I told her I would, and two, and more importantly, and this is what I want everyone to walk away with, trust is not built on one big thing. It doesn't just show up when we walk in the door. It is earned over time and comprised of every little thing you say and do in your relationships. And so you have to be more intentional and more mindful if you want to move from an average, ordinary amount of trusting relationships to one that's outrageous and sustainable. Wow. So trust is a bank. It's a deposit system. Mm. Uh, and whether you know it consciously or not, you're always putting in or withdrawing. Love you it. Bet. Hey, we're going to end it on that note. And uh, listeners, I know you've been blessed listening to Roy. If you want more information on him, we're going to have some show notes. Uh, but you can go to OutrageousTrust.com as well. And uh, for any of our business owners that are out there listening, I, I tell you, I know this guy, dynamic uh, coach. And I'm absolutely positive he can... Uh, bring value to the culture of your organization. So, Roy, thank you for being on On Your Way to Work. It was a pleasure talking with you, man. I look forward to riding with you, brother. I love this interview. I have learned so much from just understanding the the breadth of being an entrepreneur and what that really means to be an entrepreneur in your current position. So I'm really excited for both you, the listener, and to listen again myself, just gain the better understanding of how you start on this career journey and how you continue to move forward along the career path. I couldn't have said it better myself. Listeners, thank you for tuning in today. If you had any questions or comments on this show or any previous show, or you just want to get connected, you can check us out at facebook.com forward slash rawitted, tweet us at rawitted, or email us at rick at rawitted.com. And if this show has helped you in any way, please take a moment and leave us a rate and a review on iTunes. We love hearing from you all, and your feedback can only make us better. Once again, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you at the next episode.